I believe that myths are a result of fear and uncertainty that surround a cancer diagnosis. This is the James Cancer Free World Podcast. I'm Steve Wartenberg. Thanks for tuning in. Here's something I'll bet you thought was true. Six-year-old George Washington chopped down a cherry tree, and when he was asked about it, immediately said, I cannot tell a lie. I chopped it down with my very own little axe. Or how about this one? Elephants are afraid of mice, right? We see it all the time in cartoons, so it's got to be true. Here's one more. Ostriches bury their head in the sand when they sense danger. These are all myths, fun, harmless myths that a lot of people believe to be true, but are not true. Today, we're going to talk about breast cancer myths with two James breast cancer specialists, Doreen Agnes, director of the Stephanie Spielman Comprehensive Breast Cancer Center's high-risk breast cancer program, and Sagar Sardasai, a breast cancer oncologist and researcher at the Spielman. They're experts on breast cancer, and they know the difference between fact and fiction. And here's the thing, the really important thing. Breast cancer myths, and all cancer myths for that matter, can be dangerous, really dangerous. Breast cancer myths and misinformation can prevent women from doing regular self-exams, from getting annual mammography screenings, from seeking medical attention, and from being diagnosed in the earlier stages of their breast cancer when the odds of successful treatment are much higher. So, in this episode of the James Cancer Free World Podcast, we're going to debunk a few myths and give you the facts and nothing but the facts. But first, I have to tell you that due to the COVID-19 pandemic, which is not a myth, the three of us couldn't get together in the studio to record this one. We did it we did it via Zoom, and due to some scheduling issues, I talked with Doreen and Sagar separately. So the sound quality is going to vary a little bit here, despite the amazing job that Paul, my co-producer, did on this one. Okay, here we go. Breast cancer myth number one. Nobody in my family has had breast cancer, so I am not at risk. So, um, no, it's not true. Although having a family history of breast cancer does increase a woman's risk of getting breast cancer, in fact, the majority of women with breast cancer do not have a breast cancer family history. Uh, Breast cancer affects one in eight women, and maybe about 20% of people will have a family history. 20% did you say? Around, yes. So 80% will have not had a family history of breast cancer. That's correct. So, wow. So that that myth is not just wrong. It's really wrong. It's really wrong. I think what happens is people know that having a family history increases your risk of breast cancer. um, So they're aware of that. The problem is they assume the converse is true, that if you don't have it, then you won't get it. And that's not true. So having a family history does increase your risk, but not having a family history is not protective. This might be extra dangerous because if women who's fa- who don't have a family history of breast cancer aren't as good about checking and getting their scans and self-examinations, they could miss something. Yeah, that's true. Um, we do have screening guidelines and those guidelines are for average risk women. So women without a family history should still follow those guidelines. And that's having a clinical breast exam with your physician annually, being uh, familiar with your breasts and being aware of changes in your breast tissue and getting your mammogram annually beginning at age 40. 
in high-risk women, we might add additional screening measures because of the higher than average risk, but that does not imply that women without a family history are without risk. Here's our second myth. This one's for Sagar. I don't feel a lump in my breast, so I can't possibly have breast cancer. So while some women can feel a lump as, their, as a first sign of, of breast cancer, that's not always true uh, for others. A majority of times, uh, breast cancer may not present with any obvious symptoms. And, and when the lump is really small, it may only be caught on a mammogram or an ultrasound or some form of imaging. Um, Breast cancer can also present with certain other symptoms, uh, which may not be as obvious, such as uh, subtle changes in the nipple or the areola, um, or a nipple discharge, breast pain, um, as well as others. Um, It is really important uh, for women to consider annual mammographic screening or, or recommendations made by their physicians for breast cancer screening, as these measures have really impacted breast cancer mortality, as well as detecting breast cancer as early as possible. When it comes to fighting cancer, early detection has a huge role in terms of improving the cure rates. Annual mammography has shown to detect cancers much earlier than than breast exams, whether it's done by clinical providers or self-breast exams. Um, And the role of early detection is the ability ability to treat those cancers appropriately and have a high chance of cure. Do you ever have patients say to you, I didn't feel a lump, I can't believe I have have breast cancer? Yes, I've heard this statement before. Um, It is... It is because I think most women believe that they that cancer would cause some symptoms and, and are just unaware that um, having cancer does not always mean that you have symptoms. Here's our next myth, one that a lot of people believe to be true, and that is that only older women get breast cancer. Although most women who do get breast cancer are older with a mean age in the 60s, Um, women can get breast cancer at older ages into their 80s and 90s, um, but also women can get it when they are younger, in their 40s and even younger. Um, Certainly when we see breast cancer in younger women, it's more often associated with family history or genetic condition, but that's not always the case. Um, I think it's important that young women who notice a change in their breast be seen by their physicians and checked out because although this often might be a benign cause, we want to make sure that cancers are diagnosed at as early a stage as possible to translate to improvements in outcome. Our next myth is that if I maintain a proper body weight, eat a healthy diet, and exercise regularly, I won't get breast cancer. So while excess body weight increases risk and regular physical exercises has shown to reduce risk of breast cancer, those are not the only factors that are involved in the development of breast cancer. Um, Several other important risk factors, such as family history, genetic mutations, um, also play a role in, in the development of this disease. What are a couple of the genetic mutations that could increase the risk? So we only know a couple, uh, really, since the past few decades. Uh, The most uh, well-studied of these mutations are germline mutations in genes called BRCA1 and BRCA2. 
Um, and there are some other genes uh, where we know that patients who carry, who uh, patients who are carrier of those genes can have up to a 50% increase in their lifetime risk of developing breast cancer. What are the BRCA genetic mutations? So the BRCA stands for breast cancer gene that was first identified in the mid-90s to be associated with an increased risk of breast and ovarian cancers in some families. Uh, Shortly thereafter, another gene uh, called the breast cancer gene 2 or BRCA2 was associated with similar uh, patterns of uh, breast cancer risks and ovarian cancer risks uh, in, in women. Here's a myth, too, in fact, that seem hard to believe. Wearing a bra or being hit in the breast can cause breast cancer. So I think this one comes from the fact that when uh, at least the getting hit in the breast can cause cancer probably comes from uh, when someone experiences trauma to the breast, they become more aware of their breast and may notice a mass that is there that may have been there for some time, but the trauma brought their attention to the mass. So I don't think the trauma caused the breast cancer. It just made the woman aware that she had a mass, which led to the diagnosis of the cancer. That's interesting because a lot of times, doesn't that happen not just with breast breast cancer, but all, all kinds of cancer, that someone has something sort of unrelated to their cancer that brings them into the doctor, and then it's found that they have cancer. Yeah, I think that can be true for many other cancers as well, that there's the, the trauma or that event that in the patient's mind is related to when they notice the symptom does not mean it was the cause of the problem. What about the one about wearing a bra? Yeah, I've heard that, uh, and I'm not sure of the origin of that myth necessarily. A lot of women think that wearing a bra, particularly an underwire bra, can contribute to breast cancer risk, and I am not aware of anything that can uh, corroborate that myth. Um, I don't really know the origin of it, but I do not believe it to be factual. Excess stress can cause some medical issues and problems, but can it cause breast cancer? There's a myth out there that it can, and I asked Sagar if he's heard this myth from any of his patients. Yes, I've heard this a few times before, and and mainly because I think patients want to know why they they have this disease. Uh, Some patients are going through uh, emotional or physical stress at the time of their diagnosis, um, and often think that that's, that's what made them have breast cancer. We do not have any conclusive evidence showing that stress causes breast cancer at this time. Our next myth is that using underarm deodorant can cause breast cancer. I think that the origin of this myth is the fact that women who are having their screening mammogram are instructed not to wear deodorant. The reason for this is that deodorants contain aluminum, and sometimes that can uh, make interpreting the mammogram more challenging. If there's some aluminum on the skin, it might impact the mammogram and cause a false positive. Um, I think as a result of this, women associate the use of the deodorant with causing a breast problem rather than being something that impacts the screening method. 
My last cancer myth for Sagar is one that a lot of people believe to be true, and that is that men don't get breast cancer. Men can get breast cancer. Uh, while they are much less likely to develop breast cancer than women, uh, men can still develop breast cancer. Uh, the, the risk of breast cancer in men at average risk is about one in 1,000 men compared to when you look at women, it's one in eight women in the United States. So it's much more frequent in women than men. Another important factor in men is the presence of a genetic mutation in the BRCA2 gene. Uh, men with BRCA2 are about 10 times more likely to develop breast cancer than men without the mutation. So if the risk of, the risk of breast cancer in men with the BRCA2 mutation is approximately 1 in 100, which is a 1% lifetime risk. The number is, is small, but still higher, 10 times higher than the one in 1,000 risk that can be seen in, women, in men at, without the mutation. I'm glad you brought that up because on a, on a previous podcast that we did together, we talked about this and the fact that you have the BRCA genetic mutation and that that puts you at higher risk, that 1% chance. So how does that impact not just you, but other family members, particularly your, your children? Right. That, that's a great question. So yes, I am a carrier of uh, a germline mutation in BRCA2. Um, and I, I get this from my mom's side of the family, uh, where we have seen a lot of breast and ovarian cancers. Um, BRCA2 is a gene that is passed on from parents to their kids um, in an autosomal dominant fashion, meaning that if your mom or dad have it, there is a 50% chance that the kids get it from them. Each child has a 50% chance. Each child has a 50% chance if uh, one of their parents is a carrier. So I do have two children. Uh, they're both uh, really young. They have a six-year-old boy and a year-and-a-half-old uh, daughter. We typically do not recommend uh, that uh, kids under the age of 18 be tested because much of our screening strategies and prevention strategies begin from the age of 25. Um, it's also important that when family members get tested, that they understand the full repercussions of, this, of the, the, the test result, especially if it turns out to be positive. So a six-year-old and a year-and-a-half-year-old, um, a six-year-old and a toddler are likely not going to understand uh, uh, the implications of a positive test result. And there's not much that they can do about it right now. We, we typically do not begin screening or prevention strategies uh, in these uh, patients until they turn 25. I asked Doreen if there were any other breast cancer myths out there that she'd heard about or heard about from patients. Yes. I think one other that I have seen, um, not only from patients, but occasionally from physicians, although hopefully less now, is that only the maternal family history of breast cancer is important. Um, many people think that if there was breast cancer on their father's side of the family, that will not increase their risk of breast cancer. That's not true because hereditary conditions like BRCA or other genes are passed as 
through either parent. And so although men have a lower risk of having breast cancer, even if they have a genetic condition, they can still pass it on to their daughters. So the paternal family history also can impact a woman's risk of developing breast cancer. Doreen, why do you think there are so many myths associated with breast cancer? I think that probably, number one, because breast cancer is common, so a lot of people talk about it, um, and a lot of people put information out there that people then go and, and read without really digging into the source. So I think that probably contributes to it. So there you go, the truth about several breast cancer myths. Thank you, Doreen and Sagar, for filling us in with the facts and the real science. In an upcoming episode of the James Cancer-Free World, we'll debunk a few more myths, myths about other forms of cancer. So stay tuned. This podcast is brought to you by the Ohio State University Comprehensive Cancer Center, Arthur G. James Cancer Hospital, and Richard J. Solov Research Institute. For more information, check out our website, cancer.osu.edu.